Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Good morning and welcome again to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. We're very thankful that you've tuned in with us today, and we're thankful for the opportunity to just be able to bring this program to you. We've been doing this for quite a few years now, and we're thankful for our broadcast partners and the radio stations that allow us to to bring this content to you, and also the support of our local churches Macedonia and Sulphur Springs Church, and we're just thankful to have the opportunity to consistently share God's Word with you, and we certainly hope that it's edifying. If that is the case, and you listen and you enjoy the content that we bring, we would love to hear from you. Go to the website for this program, gospel-of-grace.com. Please email us if you can always write us a letter too if you want to, but we would just love to know that you're out there to receive correspondence and feedback from you. If you have any questions, we'd love to help you with that. And if you have any prayer requests, we just would love to help you in any way that we can. And also to know that people are being blessed by our efforts through this program. Sometimes we feel like a a voice crying in the wilderness. So it is good to hear that people are listening and being edified through our efforts on the program. And if you happen to live close to us in North Mississippi, we would love for you to come out and worship with us on a Sunday morning at Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi, or Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi. We both meet on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m., and then we also meet on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. in Starkville, Mississippi, at the New Covenant Church on 200 West Garrett Road. So we would love for you to come out and worship with us. And then also you can go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com, and find a church that may be closer to you. And this morning we will be concluding our messages on Jesus Christ and the law. And we certainly hope that these messages have been edifying to you. And again, if you'd like to catch up on any of those messages, you can go to macedonia-pbc.org. Please stay tuned with us and we'll play the last installment of Jesus Christ and the law for you right after the song.
Good morning again, and welcome to the Gospel of Grace. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for staying tuned. And we're so thankful just to have the opportunity to bring this message to you. And during my time on the program, we have been trying to go through Jesus Christ in the law. And we spent many months looking at that. We certainly hope and pray that those thoughts have been a blessing to you, that they have been edifying. I know I enjoyed the study, but I also have enjoyed sharing these messages with you. And again, we certainly hope that the same is true with you. I would direct you to Macedonia's website, macedonia-pbc.org. And on Macedonia's website, we have all of the extended radio series that I have preached on our archive sermons section. And we have a page that has all of the sermons for all of our radio programs series. But this sermon series as well, Jesus Christ and the Law, with each individual sermon all in one page that are easy to access and easy to find. And then also in association with this, if you go to macedonia-pbc.org and then search Jesus Christ in the Law. Also, in my studies and preparation for this series of sermons, I compiled a PDF study guide of a Mosaic Law summary reference guide. So as you know, if you've studied the Bible and studied the law, you know that the references to all these different laws are sprinkled throughout multiple books in multiple different places. So I tried to go through there for my own benefit to map out the verse references that apply to each individual aspect of the law and kind of group it by subject area. And that was helpful for me. And thankfully, I think it's been helpful for a few other people too. So again, you can go look at our sermons on this series on Jesus Christ and the law in macedonia-pbc.org's website. And then also that has the link to a PDF study guide of a verse reference guide for all of the components of the Mosaic Law that might be helpful for you by way of quick reference. And again, it's a PDF so you can download it. And a lot of times that's what I do in things like that is I download the PDF and those PDFs are always searchable. So I can just search something really quickly and find something that I'm looking for instead of struggling to find it by searching it out individually. So again, hopefully those sermons as well as that PDF study guide can be edifying for you. And you can go to macedonia-pbc.org. And again, the name of that page is Jesus Christ in the Law, particularly under the archived sermons in the radio broadcast section. So if you remember way back at the beginning of this series, the verse that we were trying to expound upon, and we'd like to return there this morning, is John chapter 5 and in verse 39, Jesus told these Pharisees that were scoffing at him, he told them, search the scriptures. And again, he was speaking primarily in the immediate context. It certainly applies to all the word of God, but he was speaking primarily in the immediate context of the Old Testament law. So search the scriptures, search the Old Testament law, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And I hope that you have seen the testimony of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament law. And we certainly don't have time to recap everything we have considered during this series, but there are so many aspects 
texts of the law that point toward Jesus Christ and not just his life, but ultimately his redemption and his salvation. So we, again, are not going to take the time to highlight all those for you. You can go back and listen to those and the different aspects of the law that are pointing to Jesus Christ and the priesthood and the offerings and the feast and all those different things. So in the Old Testament, I hope that you can look for Jesus Christ. I hope you look for Jesus Christ throughout the whole Bible because he is the Word, capital W Word, and the written Word expounds and testifies of the living Word, right? So the Word of God is intended to testify of Jesus Christ, and I hope that we have a better understanding of Jesus Christ as we read the Old Testament, particularly Old Testament law, than we did before. Before we began this series. And if that's the case, we certainly thank God for his blessings with our time together. So search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. We'll come back to that thought that the Pharisees thought that they could have eternal life by their works. Because if we see the totality of the law, if we see the the weight of bondage that it's described in the New Testament and that it's described in Acts chapter 15 as a yoke of bondage around the neck of the disciples that they were never intended to bear, when we see the magnitude of the law and how technical it is and how complicated it is, how horrible would it be if the scriptures taught that we were saved by works, right? <laughs> Praise God, praise God that the New Testament teaches that we are not saved to heaven by any action that we perform or obedience to the law. We are saved by God's free and sovereign grace. And we have spent so much time looking at the law. And I hope that you have been able to see how ridiculously complicated and complex and burdensome all the requirements of just this exposition of God's law was. And what I mean by that is that God's law was in effect long before God gave the exposition of the law to Moses, right? So obviously people were still judged. God's holy law, the standard is even higher than what we see given to us in the scriptures. But just from what we see in the Mosaic law, my goodness, how complicated and burdensome. I mean, we went through all those offerings and all those feasts of the priesthood, especially those offerings. Man, those, those offerings were so complicated, right? And I would just feel the pressure of being a priest and being afraid I'm going to use the wrong animal or I'm going to put the blood in the wrong place and I'm going to do something wrong. I mean, I still probably, even in us considering it, I probably still mess some of that stuff up in explaining it properly or understanding it because it's so complicated. And remember, going back to where we began this sermon series, what's the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is so that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world would be guilty before God. The purpose of God giving us this exposition of his holiness in the law is so that we would understand there is no way that we can be saved by works, right? There's no way that we could live a perfect life because 51% is not good enough. 99% is not good enough. If we offend in one point of the law, we are guilty of the whole law. 
that point is taught in James, but I think it's very important we read that because that's so important that we understand this in the broader picture of the law. James chapter 2 and a verse 10. This is how high of a bar the law is and how high of a bar the holiness of God is. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also do not kill. Now, if you commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So understand how high the bar is. I mean, again, this law has been so complicated, so, so complicated and complex. And God's bar of holiness is really even higher than what we see given to us in the Old Testament, because much of this is the ceremonial law or the civil law or the national law that applies to Israelites. But God's standard of holiness is absolute perfection. And this idea that you can live a good enough life to go to heaven, child of God, that is a yoke of bondage that you're putting around your neck that you were never intended to bear. And please listen to this message of liberty that I'm giving you this morning. Please listen to this, this message of liberty, of salvation by God's sovereign grace and stand in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Remember, Christ is our jubilee, right? Christ is our freedom. Don't submit to the bondage of a works salvation. If there's someone that you hold in high esteem that's telling you you have to do something to go to heaven, you have to live a good enough life, you have to pray a prayer, your faith has to remain faithful and perfect to the end. Listen, there's not a single thing that we can do to earn eternal salvation. There's not a single thing that we can do to maintain it or to preserve it. Salvation is solely by the Lamb of God entering in once into the holy place and shedding his blood so that we would be redeemed from all of our sins. Our only hope of salvation is not in works. It's not in anything that we can do. It's in God's sovereign grace. Oh, and there's so much liberty in that. Amen? There's so much liberty in that. And if you were walking around with a yoke of bondage around your neck because somebody, maybe even a religious authority figure, has been telling you that you've got to do something to go to heaven. You've got to live a good enough life. You've got to obey the law. You've got to pray a prayer and keep on praying it. You've got to persevere to the end. And if you fall away, then you weren't really saved or God's going to send you to hell. Listen, child of God, you are saved by God's sovereign grace alone because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sins on the cross. One of the most important things that I want us to take away from this series is just the, the ridiculousness, number one, but also the bondage that we could be saved by anything we do, that we could be saved by works that we perform. It doesn't matter how simple that work is. If that work is a prayer, if it's a thought, if it's the active expression of faith and belief, it doesn't matter what that work is. If you are saved by something you do, then you will never, if you believe that you are saved by something that you perform, if you believe that you're saved by a work that you do, you will never rest in full assurance 
assurance of faith and hope in Jesus Christ. And inevitably, Satan's going to come back and he's going to make you question, did you do that work right? Did you do it right? Did you do it right? And there's so many children of God that reach the conclusion, no, I didn't do it right because there's something inside their soul that tells them I have to be perfect. And one work is not good enough to get me into heaven because all the rest of my sinful works outweigh that prayer that I prayed. That one work that I perform is not good enough and there's something in their heart that tells them it's not good enough and Satan comes and makes them think, were you sincere? Did you really mean it? Have you really lived a good enough life? And the answer is always going to be no, right? No, we've never prayed perfectly as sincerely as we ought to. We've never lived a good enough life to go to heaven because we can't. That's what I want us to see from the law. We can't. The bar of God's holiness is so high. There is no way that we could ever meet the standard in and of ourselves. because to break the law in one point means you're guilty of the whole thing, right? Praise God. Praise God for sovereign grace. Amen. But more importantly, praise God for our perfect representative. Because if you see how inadequate you are to obey the law, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus Christ obeyed the law perfectly for every single one of his children. And the beauty, the amazing mystery that I could never understand, but it's a biblical truth, so I'll believe it to the best of my ability, is that Christ's perfect obedience of the law, that Christ's perfect righteousness is somehow imputed to my account. So I look at the law and I look at all the points that I've offended the law. But when God looks at me, oh, praise the Lord for sovereign grace. When God looks at me, he looks at me as perfectly obedient to every jot and tittle of the law. Why? Because of Jesus Christ's perfect imputed righteousness. Matthew chapter 5 and in verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And also I'd like to say, praise the Lord that we're now in the New Testament church under grace and not under the law. And sometimes we make jokes about it, and I do it too, that praise the Lord now that we're under the law, we can eat pork, right? We can eat shrimp, and we can do things that were restricted in the Old Testament law. And yes, I sure am thankful that I can eat pork. Praise God for that. But in a greater sense, we're not under all of these obligations of the Old Testament. Instead, they were fulfilled. And that, we need to understand that they weren't wrong in their place. They were perfectly right during the time period that God used them for. But they were never intended to be permanent. And all of those Old Testament law, they were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And now we just follow Jesus Christ in the New Testament, right? We don't have to observe the seventh day, Saturday, Sabbath. Why? Because Jesus Christ was resurrected. And so many other examples could be given as well. So Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. Verse 18, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot and one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. That word jot literally means iota. It is the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And then tittle is the smallest alphabetical or punctuational stroke in the Jewish language. So I want you to think about how precise the law is, right? 
and we've spent a lot a lot of time looking at that but not one single letter and not one single accent mark or apostrophe if you'll let me put it like that not one single period not one single iota one jot one iota is going to be left unmarked and what i mean by that is maybe you've seen some of these shows we make the quip sometimes about it every I being dotted and every T being crossed. Well, sometimes they go through legal proceedings and appeals and other situations where they realize somebody left out something. I mean, they may be a thousand page agreement, but they left out one sentence. They left out one little bitty thing and that may nullify the whole agreement, right? Because that was so important. So think about how complicated the law is and how much time we spent looking at that. And God says, not one jot, not the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet, not one tittle, not the smallest punctuation mark is going to be omitted till all be fulfilled. Isn't that amazing? I want to let the gravity of that sink in for a minute. Every single thing in the law that was necessary to be obeyed and to be fulfilled was perfectly fulfilled and obeyed in Jesus Christ. I mean, how amazing is it? Of course, he's God, so I say that. It's not amazing because he's God and he had no ability to fail and no ability to sin. But from our perspective, how amazing is it that Christ was obedient to every single jot and tittle of the law? But in the amazing mystery of salvation, in the amazing mystery of justification, what is truly amazing is that now Christ's perfect obedience is now imputed to our account. By way of summary, I'll just quickly look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It's not just that we're going to put this on a ledger that's true in a sense, in a legal sense, but we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that something that we have been made as righteous as Jesus before Almighty God? When God looks at us, he doesn't look at our failings of the law because Jesus paid for those sins on the tree of the cross. They're, they're paid in full. So when God looks at us, he looks at the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ. So when he looks at David Matthew Wise, he doesn't see all of my shortcomings. He doesn't see all of the many times that I've disobeyed his law. When he looks at me, what he sees is Christ's perfect obedience. Wow, isn't that amazing? Isn't the, the beauty of imputation, the beauty of justification, isn't that beautiful that I fail the law, Christ obeyed the law, he took all my failings and sin upon him and paid for them. And all of his righteousness is then imputed to me. And it's not just a mark on a sheet of paper. I'm made righteous. I'm made righteous because we are one with Christ and we're joint heirs with Christ because he fulfilled the law to a jot and to a tittle. The magnitude of the law is so great, there's no way that we could ever obey the law. But praise God, let's praise God together this morning, that Christ obeyed the law to a jot and to a tittle. And we're not saved by works. We're not saved by a prayer where you pray or your belief or an action you perform. You're not saved by anything you do to heaven. You are saved to heaven by the blood of the Lamb, our Passover, who came and died for us. And I'll tell you, in heaven, you're not going to be saying... Praise the Lord, I prayed a prayer. Praise the Lord, I praise the Lord, I accepted Jesus. You want to know what you're going to be saying in heaven? 
worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb for he was slain. The, re the only reason I'm in heaven is because of the blood of the lamb. And all of that is perfectly pointed to in the Old Testament law. And we just want to praise God this morning for sending his son to make a remedy for our sins and make a remedy for our shortcoming to save us from our sins, even though we don't deserve any of it. And you know what that means? That means we're saved by grace because grace is unmerited favor, which means we don't deserve it. And boy, we sure don't deserve it. We just praise God this morning for saving us by grace alone, not by works, not by obedience to the law, but also being so gracious to give us his word that we can study it, that we can that we can expound upon it, to have a greater understanding of what God has done for us in saving us from our sins and obeying the law and saving us by the blood of the Lamb. Praise God for salvation by grace this morning. God bless you. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonder.